My scripture reading for this morning is a brief passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, the first five verses. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony about God. For I was determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and preaching were not wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Let's pray together. Now, Lord, come and prepare our hearts. Prepare our minds. Prepare our souls that we may take these holy elements and be truly blessed. Speak to me and through me a word of truth and comfort to these, my friends, and your servants. We wait for you together. In the name of the one who cares about us all, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. I was blessed to have two good grandfathers. One of my grandfathers died when I was very, very young. But my mother's father lived to be 102 years old. And so I was able to walk in life with him a lot longer. And he was a blessing to me, a very faithful member of Hyde Park Christian Church in Clarksville, Indiana. He never smoked. He never drank. I never heard him say a cuss word, though my uncles told me I was blessed to have not heard him cuss. I only saw him angry once in my lifetime, and it was justifiable anger. Well, when I, uh, when I got the call to preach, I wanted to share it with him and my grandmother. So I made my way up to Clarksville, Indiana, sat in front of the fireplace at his house, and said to him, Daddy, because we always called him Daddy, I said, Daddy, uh, the Lord's called me to preach. And he immediately said, well, I'm really glad to hear that, Riley. And he said, if you're going to be a preacher, let me tell you what to preach about. I was set to hear his words of wisdom. He said, if you want to be a successful preacher, preach about 20 minutes. If you want to be mediocre, preach 25. If you want to be a failure, preach 30 or more. Now, there are a whole lot of people who 
you being there, sitting out there, that wish that I would take those words of advice seriously. But McFerrin Stowe, who would become one of the great preaching bishops of the Methodist Church of the last century, when he went and told his circuit-riding father that he was going into the ministry, his father said to him, Never forget to say a good word about the Lord Jesus Christ. Great words of wisdom and direction. And the Apostle Paul, in the scripture we've read together this morning, tells us that that was exactly what he was trying to do. He said, I'm determined to know, I was determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, he also tells us in that passage of scripture that he came to them with fear and trembling. Now, most of us know something about how you're filled with fear and trembling when you do public speaking. And certainly when you approach the pulpit of the church, you should be filled with an awesome amount of fear and trembling. What a responsibility you have if you stand in the pulpit to proclaim the truth of God. If you're not filled with fear and trembling, you think you're equal to the job. But believe me that when I come here, I'm not only filled with fear, but I'm filled with a trembling and excitement. I used to tell my students when I taught preaching at Asbury Theological Seminary that if you're not excited when you preach, don't expect your congregation to be excited. So I come with a trembling and excitement about the power of the Word of God and what it can do in the hearts of people like us. And I think about that fear and trembling when I think about the new preacher we're going to be getting in in July. He's going to be filled with fear and trembling. I'm sure he's going to be filled with some fear. And I hope he's going to be filled, they are going to be filled with excitement. But filled with fear, certainly, because I know and he, they know, he or she, they know that you're going to have southern fried preacher for lunch after his first sermon, after their first sermon. So this was very common. Here's, here's Paul saying, I was filled with fear and trembling. I didn't come to you with words of wisdom and uh, great theological teaching. I came to you with fear and trembling. But he said this, I was determined to know Nothing among you except Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. Now, I've said this before, and I will say it again and again and again. When people speak to me of God, I have a hard time understanding the greatness of God. My mind is too limited. In fact, if you can fathom your God, then your God isn't big enough. Almighty God is beyond my human understanding. I can't put a face on God. But Jesus, I can. And that's the very reason that Jesus has come, so that we might understand 
the heart of God. And when we see him, we see God. So it's very important that we proclaim Jesus because then you can understand the very heart of God, the love of God, when you think of the love of Jesus. I was very fortunate to have in my life an angel, a real true angel. Her name was Mary, and I suppose some people would call her uh, our maid. When I was uh, when I was in junior high school, she came into my life, and God knew that I needed her. She uh, she was at our house five days a week, and as long as I was in junior high school and three years of high school. She cooked my breakfast. And, uh, but most of all, she, uh, she shared with me her faith. And, uh, many a time we would be eating breakfast together, and she was a woman of color. But we would sit and eat breakfast together, but she would say, no, Riley, you're going to have, in fact, she called me Mr. Ryan. I told her one day, I said, Miriam, I'm just a little kid. You don't have to call me Mr. She said, oh, yeah, Mr. Ryan, I do. Because God told me he's got something big for you to do in life. And I have to respect that. So I would often call her Ms. Mary. But because uh, I figured God had something big for her to do, and that was to be an angel in my life. But when we would sit together, she'd say, now you better pray this morning. And we'd take hands and pray over our breakfast. Sometimes my mother and dad would be gone for a week at a time, and I liked that because Mary was going to be staying with me, and we'd get to eat together. In the evening, and from time to time, when I had a spiritual need, I'd say, Mary, I want you to pray. Just pray for me. And I can still see her kind of rocking as we, she would begin to pray. And she would just say, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And even a little groan would come out, a soft groan. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, and then she would ever so gently pick me up in that prayer and take me to the throne room of God. And I would bathe in that holy presence through her great prayer. What a blessing she was for me in those formative years of life, telling me that God had something big for me to do, and then taking me to the throne room with her prayers. She was an angel, a black angel, and shame on you if you think all angels are white. But one day, one day I shall see her again in glory. And I'll say, Miss Mary, let me hear you say his name again. Because no one 
could ever say the name of Jesus quite like my angel could say it. There is something about that name. And that's why I proclaim to you nothing else except Jesus and Him crucified. Him crucified. And that's what these elements are all about. The crucified Jesus. The giving, the complete, full, loving, giving body and blood of Jesus. That he gives to all of us who are in need of redemption and salvation. Some years ago, I got a phone call from a lady. And she referred to me as Brother Riley. So I knew she was not from where I was preaching. She was from Leesburg, Florida. That's where everybody knew me as Brother Riley. And she said, I have a son who's in the hospital, and uh, he's dying. And I wonder if you could go and save him. Well, I don't have the power to save anybody, and I know that. But I understood what this mother wanted. And I said, I will do my best. I got his name in this hospital room. And that day, I went to see him. When I got there, his name was Thomas. I said, Thomas, I'm Reverend Riley Short. He said, yes, my mother told me you might be coming to see me. And he said, but Reverend Short, I am so sick. I cannot hold my head up. So if you could come back another time, I would appreciate it. I said, I hear you, Thomas, and I promise you I will be back. Well, the next morning, I had my daily offering. I I took what I was going to be doing that day to the Lord and said, use me, help me to be what you would have me to be. And the Lord seemed to be telling me to take my communion kit to Thomas. Now, that was not a common thing that I did. But the Lord told me to take it to him. And so I endeavored to be obedient and faithful. So I took my communion kit. I will never forget when I walked into the room, Thomas was sitting up in the bed, and in front of him on his table was a Playboy magazine. (laughs) He tried to cover it up, but I've been around the block long enough to avoid that, what that was. (laughs) And... uh, I said, Thomas, you're feeling better today. He said, a bit better, thank you. And so uh, we talked a bit, and then I said, Thomas, I brought my communion kit with me to serve you communion. Would you like to have communion? And he said, no. He said, that's okay, right stuff that I never did get into that. I loved him right then. Because you know what? He was honest. And Jesus has a great way of dealing with honest people. So I said, well, you know, Thomas, I hear you. I do. It does seem like it's ceremonial so often 
and I appreciate what you have to say. But I also know the condition you are in life right now. And if I were in your situation, I would be very interested in the Holy Communion. Because Jesus said, if you eat this bread, you will live forever. And if you drink this wine, you will have forgiveness of all your sins. It's the symbol of receiving eternal life and forgiveness of sins. So if I were in your condition, I'd be very interested in that. Being very honest, he came back and he said, how can you be so sure of that? And I said, well, how can you be so sure that I am who I say I am? You accepted the fact that I was who I said I was because your mother told me I was coming to see you. I had a mother that told me that bread, when you take it, it means you're receiving the gift of eternal life. When you drink that cup, it means you're being forgiven of all your sins. I had a mother that did that. But if that wasn't good enough in telling you who I am, I can pull out my wallet and show you my driver's license. That's like the state of Florida says this is who he is. Well, the church has through the years told me you can trust the fact that when you take this bread, you are given eternal life. When you take this cup, you're given forgiveness of all your sins. But if that isn't enough, I have a passport I can bring to you that's guaranteed by the, by the United States of America that I am who I say I am. That's the Bible for me. Everything I've read in the Bible says, Whosoever eateth of this bread shall live forever, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth from all sin. And Thomas looked at me and said, Nobody ever explained it to me that way before. He said, I think I would like to have the elements of the Holy Communion. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I didn't go through a long ceremony. I just simply took the cup and the little bread and said, Thomas, as you take this bread, you're accepting the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And he said, I accept it. And I gave him the cup, and as he drank it, I said, as you drink this... It means that you are accepting the forgiveness of all your sins. And he said, I I claim forgiveness of all my sins. As I was closing up to leave, I had a prayer with him. And as we were leaving, he said, Reverend Short, come back and see me. Bring your kid again, please. Well, the next day I got a phone call from his mother. She said, did you ever get up to see him? I said, oh, yeah, I saw him yesterday. I've been writing a letter to tell you about it, but I can read it to you now. She said, it's so good, Brother Short, because Thomas ran on and passed away uh, this morning. And when I told her that and read the letter to her, she shouted for glory. This my son who is lost but has been saved. And what he does for me, what he did for Thomas, he'll do for you. So when you take these elements today, 
claim the gift. You take the simple element of bread, claim the gift of eternal life through Jesus. That's what he's promised. As you take the cup, claim the forgiveness of all your sins. That's what the gift is all about. Paul said it this way, I was determined. No, no, nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the gift that he offers to you today. And that's the truth. Amen. And now may the blessings of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you, abide with you, and keep you in his peace, grace, and glory, now and forever and forever and forevermore. Amen.